Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Keith Giles. I hope um, I hope everyone enjoyed last episode listening to Keith talk about his book. I Keith, I hope we gave you the Distefano bump. Which oh yeah, is not what it's so. not not it's not what it sounds like. So everyone, calm down. <laughs> uh huh. Have that looked at? Have that bump? Examined. No, but your book your book has done fantastic. So let me just say that you've done a great job. It's hit number one in many categories on Amazon. I hope yeah. people are resonating with it. Yeah, man. Thank you. It's done really well. I've been super happy with the, all the feedback. It's got like 24 or five star reviews at this as of this recording. Um, tons of really great endorsement quotes, uh, great reader feedback. What I really am excited about is how many people who have said they loved it who are not Christians. Like that means honestly a lot to me because it. I, I'm excited to know that it has an appeal outside of sort of the little Christian bubble. Um, so that's been great. Well, I think there's a lot of people who are still spiritual. They believe they're not uh, philosophically materialists or naturalists. Yeah. They, they yeah. believe something supernatura, as David Bentley Hart would say. Yeah. And but they're so sick of proselytizing. They're so sick yeah. of white Jesus. They're so sick of Christian yeah, fascio national, <laughs> like all that shit. Especially God. It's like, you know, around the 4th of July holiday and you see so much infusion of, of, of church and state. And now our politicians want to tear down the, the church and state sep- yeah. divide and separate. It's like, but, but, okay. So if, but, but does that mean there's no God? Well, let's explore the mystery. Let, let, let's yeah. continue to explore. There's a lot of people out there doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think hopefully this is what people can discover is that all that stuff you just described, and that's a lot of what I'm, I'm rebelling against and have moved away from, and most people probably listening to this show are certainly doing that. Um, that's moving away from the certainty and, and us and them and all this kind of, and it's very, it's very cold and dark and isolated, and there's a lot of animosity. Like, there's no life in that. Like, what I, this is what I've just noticed in general. Like, the more I move away from that and the more I move towards this whole thing about mystery and uncertainty and having a God who's much bigger than my Christian box and all of that, then it's like that moves more towards freedom and joy and life and love. And that's right. That's the trajectory I want to be on. And for me, that's how I know I'm going the right way. (laughs) So the more I'm moving towards that, that's keep going. That's the way to go. I think that's a good point. There's a lot of, it seems like the people who are most certain about things are always raging. They're always mm-hmm. yelling, yep. whether they're like, you know, commentators on some news channel or they have a podcast and they they know what they know. They know everything, you know, bup, bup, bup. they know yep. everything yep. and they're always just yelling at you. And it's like, yeah, is that how's that? How's that working? It sounds fucking exhausting, to be honest with you. And then, you know, that's all the stuff you and I have spent a lot of time, too, on this show and in, in other ways, too, like. Um, doing reaction videos to people who are doing that kind of thing, right? Who it's always about, well, this is heresy and this is dangerous and this is wrong and, and this is misleading. And this is, you know, uh, it's just all of that kind of suspicion and labeling and all that. Like someone sent me a link the other day. They wanted me to listen to their, some friend of theirs was debating 
what's the guy's name? Michael Brown, is that his name? He's like the Jewish yeah. Christian rabbi yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Drives yeah. me nuts. And and then I, I couldn't make it all the way all the way through it. Because in the first few seconds of the quote unquote friendly debate, he asked the guy, you know, do you believe that Jesus is uh, is God? And the guy's like, No, I don't. And before they even got into what they were going to talk about, well, that's heresy. Just want you to know, that's Fine heresy. Enough. You're a heretic. Okay, so now let's start the let's start the conversation. Well, like, dude, way to way to color the conversation here. We yeah. can't even really just listen to people and make up our own no. minds. No. You have to make sure everybody knows I'm the, I'm right, and this guy is a heretic. So now let's have a friendly conversation. Yeah, let me poison the well. Now have some water. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let's all have a nice drink. <laughs> oh man, it's a wacky. Uh, well, I um. Speaking of Mike, uh, Mike Winger, we've mentioned him on the show. Uh, I forgot to tell you this. Um, those those viral videos, or not videos, those viral pictures of Adam Erickson, the Clackamas United Church of Christ, his signs oh, yeah. that he's put you and I on. Um, one had like, someone shared it, it had 242,000 shares. And Mike Winger was being tagged in the comments. Oh. Like 5,000 comments. I was like, I was looking through the comments just for fun because I think that shit's funny sometimes. Yeah. You have to be in the right mood to look at the comment section. Yeah. And it was like, fuck it was so toxic people were like i could hear them yelling at me through yeah. the through the comments and people were tagging mike winger and I, I said something like it was like if you're using the bible to justify violence you're using it wrong um, right it was either that one or the atheist i don't remember which probably sign. probably what was the one the kind atheist is better than a yeah, kind atheist are close yeah 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 and so but, but a lot of people it was funny a lot of the atheists and like you know non-fundamentalist christians were like i love how many people are missing the point of that quote here Right. And it's like, uh, yeah, I was just enjoying Although, it. Although, dude, it would be really fun if Mike Winger did a video about your little sign. Oh, man. That, that's how you know you made it. I'm just I'm right. right off into the sunset, baby. Yeah, the day, the day that Alyssa Childers does a warning video about mm-hmm. one of my warning. books, like Sola Mysterium. It's dangerous, everyone. It's I know it sounds really good, but, you know, we've just got to remember historical Christianity. Historic. <laughs> I did a uh, I did a satire piece on Alyssa Childers finding out what historic Christians actually <laughs> think about women. Oh, that's yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah. Alyssa, you shouldn't even be preaching. Yes, because they would have all to, they would have all said you you have no right to to be preaching to have a YouTube channel to have that's a, right. a platform. Like, what are you doing? I don't permit yeah. a woman to teach. Like this yeah, is or, historic Tertullian. Go quote Tertullian. Yes, on women. Tertullian would have hated your book. Hated yes. your video, your platform, your channel. Yeah, uh, yeah. he would have shut you down. Hard. And, and look, I'm on Alyssa Childers' side on that. Exactly, like, on that me too. That's yes, the point. like you don't. Do you really? Do you really know what historic Christians? But they believe some pretty shitty things, especially about sexuality and women. Uh-huh. Yes, like not not great things. Yeah, so, that's, uh, that's disappointing. All right, let's get into let's get into it today. Before we do, of course, we have a word from our sponsor. And Keith, I think I think you're going to like this one. Oh, okay. A little, then. a little, a little plug for you and your and your method. So let's get into it. Do you want to write like Keith Giles, but aren't sure you have what it takes? Is his ability to write a book a week intimidating to you? Well, not any longer, because at Giles Laboratory, we have come up with a proprietary blend that will be sure to kick your ass into high gear. With a mixture of caffeine, vitamin B12, and 100% pure South American cocaine, you'll be writing like today was your last. Just be sure to use as directed. Or it just may be. To give it a try, give Giles Laboratories a call at 240-343-7379. That's 240-343-7379. Leave your name, your order, and your bank account number. 
Tell him Big Eddie sent you, and our team of hopped-up cokeheads will take care of the rest. Giles Laboratories, we get shit done. So what do you think? Is it? Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly don't know what to say. <laughs> you are speechless. For the first time in the history of this show, Keith yes. Giles is speechless. Yes, but uh, th- thanks for, you know, I'm, I'm always excited to get uh, such great sponsors for this show. It's one of my favorite things. So, yeah, yeah. So, please support all of our sponsors. Please do. Just, um, I'm not sure about actually going to their websites. Uh, yeah. but- <laughs> Some of the websites I've, I've tried to go to them and they don't exist, or maybe they haven't got them set up yet. Um, so, they're so new. The products are so cutting always- edge, so new. Always beware about going to websites you aren't sure of. I, one time right. I went, I was in the um, the Chico State University uh, computer lab, and I was going to listen to, uh, I was doing something, some research, and I was going to listen to a band called Alexis on Fire. Do you remember them? They're a Canadian, like, post-hardcore band. No. Um, the, the, the lead singer is, um, who the fuck is, you, you might know his name. Um. Alexis on fire. Their lead singer got did a did an album with Pink at one point. Oh wow! Um, yeah, uh, and he uh, Dallas Green. Still never heard of him. City in Color. No. Um, okay. You're losing me. Anyway, I'm losing our audience here. No, no. Okay. Because <laughs> Canadian Alexis, not, Alexis Canadian on bands. fire is not the band's website. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you <laughs> use your imagination of what uh, popped up on my screen. I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> and of course, you know, you're logged into your, you know, yes. Chico State ID, and you're like, "God damn it!" So I, I was, I, I was very flush and very red at the, at the time. I'm sure my heart rate rate was elevated. Yeah, it's like, oh, you can't, you can't close it fast enough. Like, oh shit, no, oh, shit. no. And then you know the pop ups. Oh fuck. Oh, I know, dude. Uh, Alexa's horrible. on fire. Uh, shout out to them. Right. That's like Katie Valentine saying, uh, be careful if you search for Katie Valentine, you might find the porn star. Is that a, is that a porn star? Uh, she's a porn star or if she has a, she's written like a series of erotic novels or something like that. Oh, that's great. That does sound, I mean like. It's a different, different Katie Valentine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to look it up. I I just take her word for it. I'm not having to say, oh, let me, let me find that. Which which means Katie has looked it up and had a good Uh, point. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's. Let's give uh, the DiStefano bump to my own book and talk. That's about right. It. Yeah, man, we got to talk about. So this is so great. Um, my book came out uh, a week ago, and then now your book is coming up, and uh, it's also it's doing out. really strong. It's out, and you were doing strong before it even came out. That's what I, I can I say. By the way, this is I was nervous. You know this. I was nervous about my solo uh, Mysterium book because. Um, I just thought it's too weird. It's too different. I didn't like my category on Amazon. I was so afraid it was going to be the, my first book that didn't hit number one. And of course, then it came out and then it did. But but I want to tell you one of the reasons why I was nervous was that your book, which was going to come out two uh, a week after my book, so like two weeks in it earlier, you were already number one as a as a pre-release in your category. Yeah. You, were, you were so killing it that I was thinking, well, damn, if Matt and Michelle's book is like, is already number one as a pre-release and I'm not even close. Like I'm going to die. So you scared me basically. It's, it's weird how that, like, I don't, do you, cause I told my launch team and people like that, Hey, can we order it? I said, I don't care. But I think you've taken a different approach, right? You don't want pre-orders. You want people to order it on the day. Yeah. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Works. I, I don't know. Idea. I, I, as I understand it, if you 
Pre-orders count, of course, for your sales. And like you said, you, you can be number one in your category as a pre-release. But I, excuse me, I believe that once the release date hits, they only start counting towards your new release. Like, are you are you a number one best-selling new release in your category based on sales that start on the release right. date? So right. I maybe I'm wrong about that, but I do believe, I don't know. because I believe that, <laughs> true or false, I have told people, yes, please don't pre-order the book. Uh, I mean, I'll get paid either way. You get the royalty check either way. It's just oh, that yeah. I want to make sure that all of those sales are counting towards uh, the sales that it would take to bump it into a number one release. So, well, whatever, whatever the method is, whatever the right way of doing it, I'm glad people are buying the book. And I'm, I, I'm, it's cool that, you know, Michelle wrote the forward to Heretic. I wrote the forward to her book, Into the Gray. And now we came together and wrote a book together. And it was, was, you know, it was, I mean, it's not even like a normal book, you know, it's transcribed recordings that we did. Um, really? And then, and then, ed- yeah. So we, you we actually did, like, did a conversation, like an interview conversation. Yeah. And then I transcribed them because I had nothing better to do than listen to audio and transcribe it. That is a pain um, and, in the ass, dude. And then I edited it, edited, I can never say the word edited, edited it. And, um, yeah, I, I think it turned out, I, I didn't want to write like a memoir. Here's my deconstruction story because right. everyone seems to be doing that. Yeah. I was like, well, but I still, but people ask me like on every, you know, you go on podcasts. Oh, like, I know. What's your story like? And it's like, uh, yeah. I'll happily tell you, but I mean, <laughs> I've done it a thousand times and okay. Um, so I just yeah, kind of wanted to have like, yeah, I wanted to have one place where it's like, okay, this is where, you know, this is where I come from. This is the context. Maybe this gives you a better idea of why, why I am the way I am, you know, how I right. think, how I tick and, and you know, it's kind of a counter to any of those, like how to deconstruct. Here's what's going to happen. It's like, yeah, at the end of it, we're like, fuck, fuck. I mean, Michelle is still kind of more agnostic than I am about the yeah. whole thing. And and we just kind of wanted to model that we we wrote a book together and our stories aren't the same and we don't conclude the same things. And we're going and, you know, we're going where we're going. We don't know where we're going. Yeah, but you can still value one another's opinion and and still be friends and, and oh, yeah. heck, publish a book together. So oh, yeah. yeah, so so let's back it up though a little bit. Like, so what was the what was sort of the idea of the book in the first place? Was it just to tell your personal story? I mean, is that how this got started? How did it, how, how did you even come up with the idea that you and Michelle were going to do a book together? Well, it was kind of like you know she's getting her doctorate in psychology, so. We wanted to treat it almost as if, I mean, we didn't want it to be like in lieu of therapy. We didn't, we put a disclaimer on there. Like, this is not in lieu of therapy. This is not some sort of advisoral, ad, ad, whatever the word is. Um, she's not giving me advice. This isn't a therapy session. Right. But it kind of acts as if like she's guiding me through talking about, you know, the psychology of deconstruction, of religious yeah. trauma, of all those sort of things. And, and I wanted to include her on that because, you know, she is a, a really good friend of mine yep. and B, a good author and C, is in the field of psychology. And yes. so it was kind of like, how would it look like if I was telling my story to someone who was, you know, understands the psychology of what's going on? Exactly. So, yeah. So other than just you telling your story. So as, as you're having this conversation with Michelle and she's, I'm you know, asking you questions and getting you to reflect on certain things, like how did that feel? And what was that like? And all of that. So did, did it, um, 
like, were there some surprises for you in the process of doing that in those conversations with her that you kind of like went some different places or, or realized some things about yourself or your journey that were helpful? You know, I, it's funny cause I realized how little I remember about like specifics of my childhood. I don't know if this is like the same with you, but some people can like say on, on May 29th, 1989, I did X, Y, and Z. And I'm no, like, I can't do that. That shit's. I don't know if it's the weed I've smoked since, but like <laughs> that shit. Is no, boring. I think most people can't do that. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I asked my mom, and she can't remember hers either. So, I think it was it was like trying because I I can remember I can remember things, but I don't remember timelines. You know what I mean? Well, like, oh yeah, yeah. And you know, like we talked about last week, I I wonder how much of my memories are recreated. Oh, all of them, probably. Well, yeah. A, a large right. percentage of them, yes. Right. So I got a little worried, like, okay, is the shit that I'm telling in the book, is it even accurate? Well, it's accurate the way I remember it. Right. And but, and so, yeah. I, so I try to be a little more vague on, like, this is this is how I overall felt when these things were happening. I, you yes. know, I don't tell a lot of very specific antidotes or an, an, anecdotes. Anecdotes? Yeah, the antidote to my antidote. <laughs> an, anecdotes. Uh, I don't tell specific stories all, you know, I, I tell some, but not a lot of specific stories, but just a, a, a general feel for how I felt as a kid growing up in a religious system that was very fear-based and very, yeah, you know, but, but at the same time having parents who weren't dogmatic like that. So it was yeah. a weird, I had a weird, you know, generally your parents match the church you go to yeah. and that's kind of your upbringing, like the parents and, and and I would I wouldn't say that my parents did, like they believed a lot of the same things, but they were a lot less dogmatic than my churches. So, a lot of my religious like trauma and the things I'm triggered by are not like my home life things. They're like directly from the church. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's a, it's an odd it's an odd mix there because you know my mom was raised Catholic and then became Protestant. My dad was a bit of a hippie and then and Catholic and became Protestant. So they all kind of had some sort of quasi deconstruction moving at least from one yeah sect to the other so they were yeah they i think it makes a, little, a difference know. right i mean I think so, so. i've talked to so many people there's sort of i guess levels of of the of deconstruction you can go through and and and, and levels of i guess pain that are mm. that, that you'll experience right and so yeah. if so if you're getting from your family a really strong negative toxic you know like full-on reformed Calvinist kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, tulip and all that shit. Then, um, so if it, you're getting it from your family and from your church, that's probably the ultimate, right? Because you're, right. and your friends and everything. So like you, you're going to experience this major attack, this major shift. It's going to be bloody and gory and awful and painful. And just, it's going to be awful. But if your parent, if your family isn't that way as much, if they're more like, yeah, whatever, we're cool. It doesn't, we're not hung up on where do you go to this church or that church? Whether you believe this or that, we're, we love you no matter what. But it's your church. It's only in your church that's that's doing that. That's still going to be painful, but it's it's only going to be from your church family, not from your immediate family. And I'm sure there's other levels of that as well. Uh, I, I've talked yeah. to people that have gone through all of that, uh, all the different kind of levels of that. And that and that's a you know that's kind of like one of those things like that's that's what makes deconstruction so personal. Yeah. And I think in David Hayward's endorsement for the book, it's like the only 
what I'm going to butcher what he said, but basically like there's only one way to deconstruct your way. Yes, like, right. I mean, like, so it's all completely personal and that's, that's what we try to, you know, Michelle has some similarities in hers, but she, she gives some, you know, some stories from, from her past and, and we have discussions about, it's not just my story. So it's also Michelle's story, even though she's okay. facilitating my story, she, she adds in a lot of her own and to, it's good. to, to say, where is the difference and where are the similarities so that people who read it don't have an answer. They just say, oh, well, at least someone else is going through this as well. And maybe yeah. we can, we have some, some, some ability to commiserate there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, shift gears a little bit because I'm curious uh, as you were talking about all that, I'm curious. So like, I know from my context, I, under, I understand from my own, how I deconstructed, you know, cause I went the route of becoming like licensed and ordained as a Southern Baptist minister. And I served on staff at different churches as a, you know, youth pastor and children's pastor and music minister and associate pastor. And I had all these different roles that I served at different churches over the years. And so that was sort of my, that was the reason why I started like studying the Bible because I was teaching stuff, right? I was teaching mm-hmm. Bible studies or I was preaching something or whatever. So that's was probably the reason why I personally got so interested in um, studying theology and studying the Bible and all that stuff. But you never went the pastor route. No. So I'm curious, how did you end up in this sort of scholarly theological direction? Um, what what was it that made you curious about this? Why did you start studying that and start um, looking into that stuff? Like, how did you get to this sort of theological place? That's a tough question to answer because there's not like one thing that drove me that way. It was yeah. like, it, it, you know, I went to college to be an educator, to teach. Yeah. And, um, when I, I taught, I substitute taught for a while. I was a long-term sub at a juvenile hall. Then I got into social work from there. And so my professional pursuits were not necessarily exactly what I went to college for. Yeah. And they weren't that, they were kind of fulfilling, but it's not like what my passion was. Yeah. Like I didn't know what my passion was. And I still had all the existential questions that were there. And when I finally just said, fuck it, like I I can't be an evangelical. I'm not even a Christian. I don't even know if God exists any longer. I had to find out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was like, I can't pinpoint exactly why I had to find out, but I had to find out. There was something deep within me that was like, I got to figure all this shit out because everything that they told me is is just not some, it's bullshit. Like, yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they lied to me on purpose. I don't think they knew what they were talking about, you know? No. Yeah. 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 And so if that's all bullshit, well, what is this all? What is this? <laughs> what, what, what am I looking at? What is right. this universe? Like what, what is all this? So you went to the Christian bookstore and you picked up Wayne Grudem's right. systematic theology. Exactly. And, and my answer is, yes, my answers were satisfied. And here I am. <laughs> um, kind of, Towing the company line. No, um, no, it was a lot of, um, it started with a lot of like atheistic debates, Hitchens, Dawkins. Oh yeah. Wow. And that's what led me to like more atheism. Like, oh shit. Like Dinesh D'Souza got his ass kicked or. Uh (laughs) I was going to ask you who, who is, who was on the other side of that table? Uh, William Lane Craig. Oh God, those Uh, guys. Oh my Lord. Smart in a way, but like also. But very smug and. 
in many yeah, ways. And, and not as very, smart as they think. Not as smart as they yeah. think, no. Yeah. No, I've I've heard some William Lane Craig stuff. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a there's an excellent debate. If anybody's curious on YouTube, you can find it. It's Marcus Borg and William mm. Lane Craig debating the That's resurrection. And the uh-huh. genius part of that whole debate is at the very end when it gets to when they're 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 just doing QA with each other, they're asking each other questions to respond. Uh-huh. Um, Marcus Borg gets William Lane Craig to admit that um, Paul's only experience with the resurrected Christ was a vision and it wasn't a physical body. And that was, to me, that was a victory. I was like, yep, thank you. That was it. (laughs) No matter what you want to say, you think Paul meant when he was talking about the resurrection, understand that in Paul's actual experience he never encountered a physical resurrected body of jesus yes yeah i never came across that but i i was very put off by william lane craig and people Me like too. that yeah but then but then i but i also came into contact with you know the thomas talbots the robin perry's the eric Rattans, the yeah. Rene gerards and and then and it was like okay yeah then, yeah now you're talking so is Hitchens and Dawkins just debating the straw man of religion? Yeah. And it, and it, and really, isn't that, you know, I've talked about that, right? See, I think that is exactly right. When you see an atheist debating a fundamentalist evangelical like that, it, it that's what you and I have talked about in other, in other uh, contexts, that a lot of times these atheists, they sound, they're talking exactly the same mm. as, you know, a William Lane Craig or... Yeah. Or some like super, or like um, John MacArthur or or Jay Packer or something like that. They're they have the same theology. Yeah. It was just that one side defends it and the other side attacks and it. The but they side, they yeah. all assume this is who God is. This yeah. is what the Bible says. This is this is what Christianity is all about. And one side just says yes, it is, and, it, and that's a good thing. And the other side says yes, it is, and it and it sucks. But for twenty five so years, that's all I knew. That's right. And if that's all right. you're given, but then when you hear, like you said, like the, all the Eric Raton and, and uh, Robin Perry and like, uh, you know, David Bentley Hart or Rene Girard, then you're saying like, damn, these guys are really smart. They're really engaging the, you know, the theology in a much different way, in a much smarter way. They're honest about things that don't make sense. They're honest about things that are incongruent. But at the same time, they're also pointing out the, you know, the, the, uh, fallacies of the the other side on the atheistic side Mm -hmm. and and doing so in a very intelligent way like yeah that to me i think when you start discovering those kinds of people that's when it becomes a little more compelling like okay yeah there's got to be a middle ground here yeah and that's where i was and you know and and then it was like okay well what do i want to what do i want to do with this um do i i i initially thought like well maybe i'll become a scholar myself yeah. And then I was like, ah, no, that's not really me. That's not like my personality, but I like to read it. So then you kind of step into like you and I have done step into the spot of being a bridge between the scholarship and the lay yeah. world so that it doesn't take a hundred years <laughs> for the scholarship to trickle into the, you know, maybe we can speed things up and catch people up with what's really going on. You know, it's, yeah, it's always like a joke, like it, it takes a hundred years before the scholarship gets to the church. That's his, that's exactly right. To the pews. And it's like, yeah. And you well, know what? See, that's that a great up. point. Yeah. That's a great point. Because I think 
the world needs people like you, you and I and others who do to do exactly what you're talking about, because there is sort of this upper level, high level academic um, debate and conversation and, and information. Like Jay Louis there. Martin or Douglas yeah. Campbell, like on yeah, yeah, scholarship. Yeah, and the average person is not going to pay fifty dollars for some five hundred page theological book with all these like huge, difficult to understand you know arguments and words and what the hell are they talking about? Um, and so it, the world needs people like you and me, geeks. I guess theological geeks or something. That yeah. we we are interested, we're fascinated. We'll go and get that book. We'll read that book, and then we'll boil it down to oh, here's just here here's in you know common language. This is what they're saying, and yeah. then it becomes like then we can do a podcast and we can write yeah. a book and yeah. or, or write a blog post, and then the yeah. average person can go, oh my gosh, I've never heard that before. That's so amazing. Yeah. Um, and then so yeah, it kind of it's like priming the pump. It's it's speeding up the process because without that, it would take a hundred years for all those ideas to trickle down, if ever. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I love Douglas Campbell, but he must know that people aren't going to read a 1,200-page book. I mean, his target audience will, but his target audience is very limited and, and niche. You yes. Know? It's dorks like us who can only understand a quarter of it. But what we can understand is exactly what you said, enough to say, well, let's do a podcast on Romans or let's do a blog yeah. on why Romans 1 is not what you think it is. Or that's whatever. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then um, even even like the target audience, if it is like some a pastor who's got like a an MDiv or something, and he is into it, and he does read those those books, <clears throat> then it's still then you have all these layers of complexity in there too. Because like, well, let's suppose I am someone with an MDiv, and I am I I'm pastoring a church of like five hundred thousand people, but does my denomination accept? these new ideas. Cause if I preach this on Sunday morning, I could get fired. So I could, I could read it and I could think it's cool, but I ain't telling anybody else about it. So, cause I don't want to lose my job. Right. So, and even if I'm in a church where I am allowed to take those different ideas and preach them from the pulpit at best, I've only influenced a few hundred people in my particular church and that's it. No one else. Like it doesn't go to the internet. I'm not, it's not going to be a book. It's not, you know, it's, it's just isolated to this particular sermon on this particular Sunday morning and half of people won't remember it. So it's really difficult for those ideas to spread. It reminds me of um, a friend of mine who's a, he's a philosophy nerd and he took me to UCLA. I went with him to UCLA a couple of years ago to hear a couple of like, I can't remember who it was, but it was some like really big name, you know, modern philosopher, American philosopher or something. And he gave a couple of lectures and then there was a Q&A afterwards. And it was really, I mean, intellectually, it was really fascinating. But there was only like 10 people in the audience. It was not that many people in the audience. There was no press, right? It was not like a big event. It was just like a handful of people from probably just the philosophy department at UCLA. Anyway, we're driving back from that. And he, he was asking me what I thought about it. And I said, oh, I thought it was really fascinating. But I said, but my bottom line is just sort of like, so what? Like, who cares? Like, because... None of those ideas are going to ever trickle down to anybody who's not a philosophy major at this university. Like, it doesn't matter how great those ideas are because they're not, they have to enter the public square, right? They have to enter yeah, the, the zeitgeist, the conversation. And if, and if there's no one to, to do that, if there's no one to, to, to translate that. It just won't ever happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then not, not to mention, you know, going back to my book on, on why, why write book like this? It's like, yeah. It, 
because our stories need to trickle out too. Otherwise, otherwise yeah. the fake stories are going to trickle out, like from Elisa Childers and Mike Wing. Right. They're going to tell you what deconstruction is, and well, I did it, yeah. and they're not going <laughs> to actually listen to the people who have gone through, gone through the mud and the slop. That's right. Yeah, they're going to hold up somebody who's like, I I was at a progressive church and I left it, and I am writing a book to expose the whole thing. But at no point was yeah. I ever actually. A progressive Christian, and no point. Well, and, and there's always these things, and there's always anomalies. Like, yes, of course, you, you know, it's like you could find somebody. There's sure, there's always yeah, there's always going to be outliers. But if you listen to, you know, I think I think what's what's true about my book is that well, for a, it's my experience and the way I remember it, and you know, as good as as good as I could tell it. <laughs> um, but but b as unique as it is, it it resonates with a lot of people who have had yeah. that same. And so if you did it like a bell curve, my experience that I tell in learning to float is somewhere in the middle where most people have that sort of same experience. They, they grew up in this kind of church. They yeah. had those, those, you know, they were fearful of the same passages and the same doctrines. And when they deconstructed, they were shunned. Yeah. Um, you know, they were shunned by fan. I was shunned by my, you know, my wife's family. My family looks pretty good from in, in the book. Uh, my dad, not so much. My stepdad, yes, but my dad, not so much. He doesn't look so good in the book. Uh, my grandparents turn out pretty good in the book and um, roll really good. My my wife's family does not look good in the book. So if they pick it up, they're not going to like the way. They're not going to pick it up. Because you already know that they have a certain opinion about you. See, I have the well, same thing with Wendy's yeah. parents. Wendy's mom and dad. I th they, here's the thing. They do love me. But, but the realization is that they kind of love a version of me that they think or they prefer to think is real. They're not really interested. Like they're not going to read my books and they, cause they don't want to engage those arguments because they already know they disagree with the, you know, fundamentally they disagree with a lot of the things I'm going to say in the book. So I know we disagree theologically, but we don't argue about it because they don't, they just kind of pretend yeah. that I, you know what I mean? Like they've stopped asking me how things are going. Like they, like you know what I mean when I talk to them, like, hey Keith, how how's work going? Because they know that my work is writing books that they disagree with. They don't want me yeah. to talk about that. It's just so they don't talk all around that, right? So yeah, your your family, your your wife's family is probably not going to go pick up the new. Oh, and yeah. unless it's to hate follow, I have had the the family and 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 it you know the straw that broke the camel's back was me coming out by and them thinking yes. that meant cheating on my wife and having you know right and i tell those stories because i think that's also an important part of it too is that you know if you're queer if you're lgbt and you read this book you're like okay this that's why we added a bonus chapter because while i was writing this book the book was done like the 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 manuscript was transcribed it was just waiting on some day you know i had some other books come out so i wanted to time it when other books weren't coming out and then it was like, well, fuck, I got to tell the story of coming out. So we added yeah. another session because it's it's important to have that. And that's a different dynamic and more yeah. part of this deconstruction thing where it was almost as if there were members of my wife's family who did not like me because of my theology and what I said. But it was much worse that I was bisexual. <laughs> like uh -huh. that was like <laughs> way beyond, I, I you know being married with my wife for 17 years, having one partner, having a child, having a job, you know, having a, you know, a nice house, you know, yeah. doing being, all being a good husband, I being did. a good father, being a good provider, like none of that counts. None of it mattered. You know, I've yeah. got three jobs. I'm doing you know, all <laughs> this shit that you're supposed to do. Right. And I, you know, I grew up, you know, pretty poor 
at some point, you know, going through divorce with my parents and separations and living with my grandparents. So like, I think I've done as, as against the pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality as I am, like yeah. I've done that sort of like gen X sort of shit. Like <laughs> I'm not going to be poor anymore. Fuck this shit. I'm, you know, I'm going to grind like yeah. all the things that conservatives say, you know, I should be yeah. proud of this. It's kind of did the American dream shit. Yeah. But no, you're bisexual. So, you know, you're, we haven't talked to him in months. I mean, basically like Ugh, almost a year, you know? So it's like, I, I debated on whether I want to tell that story in, you know, in the right, you know, there's not really a right or easy way to tell that. Right. You don't want to sugarcoat it. So if you're going to tell it, you got to tell it, you know, you got to tell it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so. and, and this is like you said, though, this is the, this is the value of, of that, those kinds of things, like telling your story, uh, especially that part of it, because yeah, you know, there are people that are, that are going to read it and who need, they need to read it. They need to hear someone else yeah, kind of tell their story for them, but to, to see themselves in your story and say, all right, somebody knows I, cause I've been through this. So I understand this. Someone knows how this feels. Someone knows yeah. what this is like. I'm not the only person who has been through it. And then hopefully if there's areas that they're still struggling with it, they can find some hope in your part yeah. of the story. Like, oh, here's how you got through it or here's how you are dealing with it right now. So yeah, yeah. that really matters. It really well, does. And and that, I, there's not enough stories like that out there to be honest. And you know this is true. When you when you're a writer, a part of your job is to articulate well first and foremost what your feelings and your thoughts are, but sometimes it's like you you're art, maybe you're doing it derivatively, but you're articulating what other people are thinking. Cuz yeah. I get those messages all the time, "Hey, I've been thinking this for so long, but you articulated it in such yeah. a way that it made more, you know, so it's like It's right. You you know that's going to happen, so it's like I want someone to read it and go, oh, that's how I was feeling. And that's why I was feeling it. And this person articulated it in such a way, because I mean, look, we have, we all have gifts in some way and writing is our gift. Um, and so as a writer, you, you hope that that's kind of like your ultimate hope is that like yeah. someone can say, I felt exactly like that. My experiences are different. Sure. But I felt that way. That's, right. that's how I felt. And yeah. that's what Michelle brings to it, is like, no matter what your story is, it models the grief cycle. So we're all going to feel those feelings. Yeah. And you can have different experiences and it could be very unique to you, but you're going to go through the cycle. That's right. And it's important, I think, too, for people to know that it's okay to go through that cycle. Because sometimes, Absolutely. you know, you we condemn our, we're used to condemning ourselves for having those, like, because I was angry, because I was upset, because I, mm -hmm. uh, or because I was, I got depressed. Like somehow there's something wrong with me or I'm a loser or I'm a failure or uh, I'm not, I'm not strong enough. Like those are the things we, we tell ourselves probably because other people have programmed us to think that way. <laughs> so we, yeah. we automatically respond that way when we, when we go through those things. So, so finding out that, Hey, oh no, this is normal. Like, yeah, yeah. You go through that. When you go through shit like this, you will automatically feel betrayed. You'll feel uh, depressed. You'll go through these different stages and that's normal. And it, it even helps to see those graphs. Like in my square one class, I, I have that sort of stages of grief and stages yep. of um, there is no like stages of deconstruction uh, graph that I'm aware of, but it's, it pretty much mirrors the stages of grief thing. Right. And, and, that's, and that's, what Michelle, that's what Michelle points out in her book. Yeah. 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 And so being able to show that to people and let them look at it. And I usually will ask people like, like today, right now, where would you find yourself on that journey? Like, okay, today I'm in depression or today I'm in, 
uh, hope or today I'm in um, anger, whatever. And then, so then you can see though, oh, there you go. But this is normal. This is just part of a process. And yep. it's that thing about even if you're going through some of the worst parts of that cycle, that struggle, understand it's not the, it's not where that cycle ends. Uh, there's something beyond that. So it's like the, there's a famous quote Winston Churchill has uh, where he says, if you're going through hell, keep going. Mm-hmm. And so, in other words, don't stop, don't camp, don't, don't, uh, you know, don't camp out in that feeling in that, in that place. Understand that, yeah, you are feeling it. That's normal. That's okay. Yep. But don't stop there. Keep going. Because as you continue on in your journey, uh, there are better things ahead if you don't stop and if you do keep going. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Yeah. You hope anyway, people can, can reach that. And, and if something that we write, if your book can help people do that, I'm sure it will. So have you, what's, uh, what has the feedback been? I know it's only been a couple of days that it's been out, but uh, what's the feedback been? Um, very positive. You know, my launch team really liked it. There was one person who I always get the weirdest people sometimes on my launch <laughs> team. I swear to God, I'm like a magnet for just interesting, weird. That's people. right. Didn't you have to kick somebody out of your group? I did. And they were very rude about like, I did not like this book. You're, you're, you're not having this. I mean, it, it's, this is like three weeks out from my launch. They're like, uh-huh. you're not having a successful launch because it's not a success. It's not a good book. I was like, well, okay. We haven't even launched yet. So I don't even know if it's a successful <laughs> well, launch. How do you like, know? It's on Amazon. There's not even a link. Well, by um, the way, they're wrong. Let's just say they're wrong about that. Cause it's been a successful launch and it's doing great. Has, so, yeah. Your face. And, 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 and they were, you know, like why, why do you keep talking about this stuff? You know, because if you're, if you've moved past it, why do you keep talking about it? And it's like, well, for all the reasons we just said, because people are going through it and yeah, like, well, this isn't relevant to Europe. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Listen, part. I get but that. I have, I have Europe, I have European people on my launch team. They're like, that's bullshit. Like, yeah. Right. No, no. But see, listen, that, that, that whole thing too. Like I got, I get that sometimes from people too, because I do, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I guess in some ways I can't help it. Like, cause I, I can only write from my context. I can't write about, you know, right. Christians in Germany or France because right. I don't live there and I don't know anybody there. Like, uh, yeah. but I understand, I really do understand even American evangelical Christianity. That's right. my, that's, that's the whole world that I, I, I grew up in and that I've left. Right. And yet I still, I mean, I cannot escape. I'm, I'm still in, in dialogue with them. It's like, it's like having a divorce, right? You, you'll always be, have a relationship with that other, uh, that other person. And so, you know, people will say things like that in my, like responding to my blog post or to my books, like, yeah. well, Keith, this is a very American version, a very, very American centered. You're like, yeah, yeah, it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I can't write about the experience for New Zealanders or right. South African people because I don't, right. that's not my experience. So I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's been very positive. I think right now I have like seven reviews that have gone up, and sweet, they're, they're all positive. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that um, I think it's important. I don't know how it works with algorithms and things like that, but I know like if you have a successful launch, you're more apt to you know continue. That's to, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this is. A, I mean, I've done some vanity projects that aren't like as important as this, but this I think is an important book that I wrote. Yeah, I would, I would, yeah, definitely. I would say so. Um, and, and this just happened recently. You were just recently, you, you were given a, a prestigious award. And I, I think it's really exciting that you have now been crowned. You are the Ant Christ. <laughs> and I that's amazing. Um, congratulations, by the way. That's, you saw what Glenn Seepert did. 
Uh, yes. Oh, <laughs> I just. Uh, I, so, I, so now, what's I, the context? I, How did that come up? Who was that on Instagram or no, Facebook? Or no, something? that was on Pathios. On a Pathios comment. Okay. Um, some guy did this long. I'm assuming a guy. It's always guys. Uh, yes. Long diatribe about because I, I wasn't engaging. Right. I wasn't engaging this person. They, you know, they, you know how people come on. Do you moderate your own Pathios comments? Uh, not really. Cause I, I, I honestly, I, I almost never look at them or respond to them. I'm sure people get, get frustrated with me okay. that I don't really engage. Cause I've just yeah. seen that most of the time on Pathios, the comments are either, uh, yes, I love everything you say. You're awesome. And you're amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Thanks. Or Keith, you're totally wrong. You're a moron. You're an idiot. And then, and I, and I just don't care about that. I don't care about yeah. either. I don't want to engage that shit. Well, I don't know how it's set for mine, but I have to actually approve the comments. Okay, so I yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, no, it just automatically that. posts. Okay, mine's just well, posting. Yeah. Well, whatever. I need to fix my settings or something because <laughs> I have to go in there and moderate. Um, but I, I don't. I don't generally comment too much back. So someone yeah, went on this long diatribe. It wasn't rude or anything, but it, I mean, it was a little accusatory. Uh-huh. So I said something like, um, "I'm not gonna in-, like." I was very just one line. Just yeah. Like, I'm not going to sit here and write an article about that. And this person didn't like that. And I, I, I said something, I don't even remember what, but they, they meant to call me the antichrist, <laughs> but, they, but they put the antichrist. You are the antichrist. And I was just like, <laughs> I can't let that go. <laughs> the screenshot screenshot yeah. that baby. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I did. Did I screenshot that? You got to. Normally man. I do because, because so I keep them. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So they were. Oh, they were asking me about heaven, right? <laughs> and 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 I, I was like, I don't think of heaven as the afterlife. So I thought, I, I wasn't like engaging on what I thought. I was just like I don't really think of the afterlife. And they called bullshit on that. And I was like, I don't like. I'm not worried about it. I think whatever happens is going to be okay. I don't know what it right. looks like. I don't give a fuck. Like I'm living my life here and I really do believe heaven is at hand. Like when I garden, when I ride my bike, when I hang out and play video games with my daughter, yep. when I have sex, like all the things that we have find pleasure doing, like what could be better than that? Like, you know, right. what I mean? so he called bullshit on that. And then he didn't, so he didn't, I, I didn't say anything rude or anything. Um, I, I said, I, I don't think about the afterlife much at all. Heaven is not synonymous with the afterlife per se. Yes. Good. And he just goes, he goes off. I'll read it. I find Christian hypocrites like you much worse than the normal no-necked mouth-breathing type. Okay. Okay. We're off to a good start. I tried to engage you in an intelligent conversation about what you purport to believe. And instead of trying to convince me of merits of your argument, you dismissively insult me. I I didn't. You know, yeah. And and I'm not trying to get in an argument or in a conversation with this person. I just simply did not engage much than a couple sentences. Yeah. And... They, they go on. It were you, I'm sure, I think it's, if you were not a total hypocrite, you would use this opportunity to attempt to save my soul. What? what? No, no, see, they're right oh, there. I, He's I, making I, the wrong I, assumption that you're yeah, not you're, that kind of person. Oh, why would I want to save, save yourself from what? Yes. <laughs> like, I don't believe in hell. So you're already uh, saved, buddy. You're saved. There yeah, you go. Go live your the life. Way your Messiah commanded you to. No. Oh, that's, okay, that's an interpretation that I don't agree with. Total assumption. This is the good part. <laughs> but you choose to be the Antichrist <laughs> <laughs> and deliberately drive me away from the Christ. Dude. Uh, dude. Well, 
this is the role. And so I just said, I am the Antichrist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude, I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. You do have the best trolls, man. I gotta say, I, I don't know what it is. I, I I get it once in a while. I get a couple of good ones, but man, get, I I must have a punchable face or something. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I have the most most trolls are just like they vomit on you, but mine sometimes are so articulate and that's, clever. Yes, they're clever. Yes, the professor of word vomit. I mean, come yeah. on. That's awesome. The only thing you worship is your own oh. wide, diseased asshole. Asshole. Like, Gosh. That they're just, you so have to stop and marvel. Like, I, just, I can't help it. I get a picture, a mental image <laughs> of like, like a glowing asshole that's like opened up. <laughs> diseased. What is diseased? diseased and worshiping and just like glowing gold. Like, yes, I want that to be animated. Can we get an animation of that? Yes. A little gif. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I got, I got somebody kind of pissed off at me the other day. Um, <clears throat> so, I think it was actually. Um, it was something from Bart Ehrman and I really yeah. loved it. It was, it was, a so I just shared the meme and it was something about, it was really smart and really cool. And I was like, yep, this is great. And he just says, Glenn, Glenn made, I, I think Glenn probably made it, although I didn't have Glenn's yeah. name, but I know he does stuff for Bart. You know, the design though. You can see I know it. the design. Yeah. You see, and you know, right. this is Glenn probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it was Bart Ehrman and, and said, um, it was a quote from him and he was saying something like, you know, nowhere in the gospel of Luke or his other book, the book of Acts, because we know Luke, that it's totally assume right. anyway, that's what we know. But whoever wrote Luke wrote Acts. And that so in, neither in Luke nor in Acts um, does he ever discuss the crucifixion in terms of sacrificial atonement. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, yes, that's true. And that is a fascinating, you know, like you just a fact. You just got to deal with that. Like, think about that. So I just shared it. No comment. I do this yeah. a lot, by the way. I've just got, I've stopped sharing things with comments. I just shared it. You're you're just a rabble rouser. I am, and then I get, dude. I get so many comments, all these arguments back and forth. So many people jumping in, and yeah. then one of the people, I think one of the second or third comments was something like, "Keith, what are we to think of such a thing or such a statement?" And I just reply back and I said, "I'm sorry. I am. I cannot tell you what to think about anything." Like. <laughs> That whole, but that whole idea bothers me. Like, you know what I mean? Because I do think that is what people want. They want you. It's like you should be able to to get it to get a quote like that for someone to yeah. read something like that to go, oh my gosh! In nowhere in Luke or in Acts does the, does that author describe the crucifixion as a sacrificial atonement? Okay. Yeah. Now it doesn't matter what Keith thinks about that, or you, or anybody else. What matters is what do you think about that? What are you going to do about that? Or if you don't believe it, go check that out yourself. Go go look through and see if is that true. Can you find anything like that? Like it should draw statements like that should make you think. It should get you to reconsider something. It should maybe get you to go and study something, um, or to make up to change your mind about something. Wow, damn. Let me. Well, what does that mean? You know, like I love the stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that gets me excited. And yeah, I might write a blog about it. I might take a quote like that and write a blog about it, but not to tell people how to think about it. I want, I, I just want more and more for people to figure out for themselves what they think about stuff like this. Yeah. Um, and who cares and, what he thinks about it? And, and that's, and that's one downfall. And I'm probably shooting myself in the foot here on marketing, learning to float is that we don't give an answer. Right. What is, what is, what do I do? Well, that's why we came up with the title. Yeah. Sometimes you don't go anywhere. Yes. You learn to stop drowning. 
Like, and, but, but you don't necessarily make it. You just learn to be like, like where Michelle's at. Like she hasn't, she, she says, do I believe in God today? Yes. Tomorrow? No. So it's very, very agnostic, but I'm learning to become more okay with the uncertainty. That's right. And, and I learned to float. You learn to stop flailing about, you stop drowning, you keep your head above water. Yes. And that, and that's sometimes all you can do. And I can't tell you where you're going. I can't. Yeah. No one who, you know, you say, oh, you've decon, you're further along in your deconstruction. Well, maybe in one way you're further along in your deconstruction. Um, I have gotten to the bottom and, you know, and, you know, sometimes we, we, we deconstruct theological ideas and we stay there, Yep. but we don't get to the, who, who the fuck am I? What's right. my sexuality? What's my, what's my relationship here? Well, like, who am I? We get down to the nitty gritty stuff. And so you could say in one way you're further along, but I don't know what it's going to go like for you when you right. start answering, asking those questions. All I can say is this was my experience. If you share those experiences, I can sit with you and be a sounding board and let you vent and whatever. Yeah. But that's all I can do. Yeah. And so there isn't a how to, there isn't a 12 steps. There isn't yeah. a, here's the process. Here's what it's going to look like. And so you get to the end of the book and you say, what's the answer? And we both say, well, I don't know. Right. And then that's but, exactly, that's exactly right, man. Very see, see, there's an overlap there between your book and my book. Cause I'm the same way. Like, <clears throat> that's why I'm saying it's a mystery. It's getting, getting comfortable with uncertainty, but saying, I don't know, or I think, or like mm-hmm. today, today, I think this, but I don't, tomorrow I might change my mind. And all of that is yeah. fine. Um, and as you were talking to, it reminded me of um, a quote uh, from Alan Watts, right? Where he talks about how, you know, the point of a dance is not to hurry up and get to the ending. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, let's get this dance over with. Cause we got to get to the end. Cause the end, the it's end of the dance the is the point. No, the right. point is to dance and to That's enjoy right. it. Right. And so it's like, like he's learning to float, just learning to enjoy your life. Right. Um, yeah. uh, I, I really appreciated Jim Palmer. Uh, something he had said a while back about, it was a major paradigm shift for me. This idea of like, you know, recognizing the truth and all these other things are not external to you, that they're actually all within you. And it's more about just learning to listen and to rest. Um, to recognize that it's, these things are not apart from you. They're within you and they're, they're, they're connected to you. And, um, and then rather than like, for example, like we're always hung up on what's the meaning of life, right? Mm-hmm. As if it's, there's only one answer. It's the answer right. that the same answer for everybody. And um, so, but what if instead, instead of finding the meaning of life as if it's one answer, it's one thing like the Holy Grail or something. Um, what if instead everybody just, figured out what makes my life meaningful. Yeah. What are the things that make your, cause it's not going to be the same for you as it is for me. For you, it might be exactly. gardening. It, exactly. It'll be gardening. But for me, it might be spending time with my wife and my kids or uh, watching a movie or, you know, being in nature or whatever, but it's going to be listening to music, whatever, but figure out, or, you know, serving other people, helping people that are in poverty, uh, whatever. Right. Infinite. But, Figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out yeah. what makes your life, what brings your life meaning. And then just do that. Focus on right. that. Why would, right. why would there be more than that? By, by not having any meaning to life, it opens up the possibility for infinite meaning. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I love so it. There it is. There it is. And I, I love that Watts quote. I've used it a million times about the dance and yeah, Watts has so many good things. So much, and, and so much of it about it is like the, you know, the, the law of reversed effort. And he gives the <laughs> example of like, 
how do you how do you clean the water that is that has silt in it? Well, you don't wash the silt away. You leave it alone for a little bit and let it settle, and that's right. Eventually, the water's clean. And there's just so many of so much. I mean that, and that's why that's why I loved your book so much. And, and you're getting into the tradition of the wisdom teachers, the Richard Rohrs, the Alan yeah. Watts, and and yeah. the kind of it's almost like you get to a place in your deconstruction where you have to say you put aside the theological and you're like, well, now what? Like, how do I approach this life? How do I appreciate, you know, all these mystics talk about appreciating a butterfly or the smell of a flower. Yeah. How do I get to that? Well, a lot of it is like, slow the fuck down, shut the fuck up. (laughs) You know, just be. (laughs) And it's so simple, but it's so difficult. That'll be your mystic book. Slow the fuck down, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. By Matthew DeSafano. By Matthew DeSafano. Yeah. No, but see, that's exactly right. Uh, there's another Alan Watts quote, too, where he talks about uh, recognizing that how everything in your body and everything in the universe, it doesn't have to be forced. You know what I mean? Like the wind blows without whether you, you don't have to do anything. The wind blows. Mm-hmm. The, the, the stream, the river, the river flows. The sun comes up and it goes down. It comes up and it goes down. Like all these, even your own breathing, right? You don't, you don't make your heart. You don't focus attention to make your heart beat or to make yourself breathe. I mean, you yeah. can you can like, <gasps> if you want to, <clears throat> but you, you could be asleep and you're going to breathe like it. That stuff just happens. And so you, you can just relax and you don't have to force really any of these things. Like you don't have to force um, this pursuit of truth or wisdom or whatever. Like just like you said, slow down, be quiet, be still, you know, and uh, and there's some beautiful wisdom in that. Yeah. Certainly. So I hope everyone listening goes and picks up my book, pick up yes. Keith's book, uh, Kindle and mm-hmm. uh, paperback. Yep. And soon to be, uh, we just got a contract for a narrator and she's wonderful. Oh, wow. Not the yeah. one that I heard, not the person I heard. Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep that one. You sent me, we, I'm not gonna me play one it audition. On I'm not, not going to play it on the podcast. You should put mean. it on your Patreon page at least. Oh, I, I should because I got such a bad <laughs> audition. Like, okay, so I it's uh, it's Michelle's a woman and I'm a man, and that is very difficult. If you have a man narrate, you're gonna have you know it's gonna be hard to do a woman's voice. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're a woman, it's gonna be like her. But it's <laughs> and and that's what this person does. It's like she's first of all, like, first of all, they're reading way too fast. I yeah. can barely understand what they were saying. No. It was and way too the, fast. I was laughing so much. She was like, <laughs> through the man's voice like this. And then she's like, oh, my God. Fantastic. No, we have we have a narrator who did a really, really good job of doing both of our voices and mm. like adding like creative flair. And like, it was that's like, great. Oh, this that's is so fantastic. Uh, do you have someone reading Solo Mysterium? Well, uh, I'm going with the guy I've been going with for the last several books since Jesus Unbound. I've been using this guy, Eric Morrison. I know I've heard some people don't like him, but I'm just going to say I love him. I love, love, love his his voice. And so he's going to do, I believe he's he's agreed to do a soul mystery. And um, I got to say, if I haven't told people, the reason I really like him is that he sounds like David Sedaris. If you don't know who David Sedaris is, go look him up. David Sedaris is also an author. Um, he's a comedian. He's an author. He has a book called, uh, me talk pretty one day. That's really hilarious. And, uh, his audio books are hilarious because he actually does his own 
um, David Sedaris does his own audio. And oh gosh, it's hilarious. It's so funny. So when I heard this guy, Eric Morrison's audition, immediately I was like, oh my gosh, he sounds like David Sedaris. I want this guy so bad. And so uh, we got him and he did the first couple of books he did. I was like, I was sold. I just really love, love his narration. So yeah, he'll be doing the new one. Yeah. So we got a lady named Heidi Crane. So shout out to her because she hopefully is going to kill it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So good stuff. All right, man. Well, I'll see you next time. All right. Yeah. Uh, Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Like and share, subscribe, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have uh, pretty decent numbers listening to this show and way less who have reviewed for iTunes. So please, right. if you're listening, take two seconds, go rate and review on iTunes, subscribe, whatever, whatever, uh, wherever you listen to this, please put up a rating and yeah. pick up our books. Yeah. See you next Thanks time. Thanks so much. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.